What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and I'm excited to chat with you guys today doing another, you know, presentation-styled podcast. And excuse me while I move shit out of my way so I can move my chair and get comfortable. Um, I'm psyched about today's episode because we're going to talk about a topic that I've never brought up on my show, and it's only because... Um, it's something that I've learned over the years in the clinic and we're going to get probably right into it and then I'll give you guys a little update on the book and everything else so we're going to go over something called hinge points and to me hinge points are really really interesting because it just showcases how our body can um, literally adapt to the stresses we place on it And that's the whole beauty of our bodies, that it constantly adapts to the, you know, feedback or stimulus that we give to it. And working in a society where our environments are not built to what we're supposed to be presents many, many, many challenges as to why we end up injured, tight, this is sore, my knees are bugging me, things like that. And I think, you know, to kind of get this going in the right context, like, I think a lot of people miss the whole boat on, you know, this concept of I woke up and my neck hurts or my shoulder hurts. I'm going to go see a physio, chiro, massage, and it should be better. In theory, yes, they can help, you know, subside the effects of pain, improve your movement quality, and get you back to doing what you do every single day. But we've never actually got to the root cause to what we're trying to figure out or why that's happening. So an example is like, you know, you you have high blood pressure, you go to uh, your doctor, here's high blood pressure meds. It helps you right there and then, but it doesn't eliminate the main issue of why um, you have high blood pressure, right? Things like diet, exercise, sleep quality, those things are going to fix that. But people prefer the faster way because it's like, well, I don't have time to do that kind of shit. I need to like go on with my day. I need to be able to pick up my kids. I need to go do this and all my responsibilities and being an adult, which fucking sucks that, that kind of shit. Right. But if you look at this whole kind of, you know, extended healthcare system where people go to Kairos, physios, and RMTs for musculoskeletal issues, they almost kind of expect the same thing. They kind of expect that when I go see this medical professional, my knee, ankle, hip, low back is going to get better and I can go right back to what I was doing. Sometimes that works out. You know, maybe you have this like amazing practitioner that just has that gift that the moment they play their hands on your shoulder, back, hip, whatever it is, they know exactly what to do. But sometimes, most of the time, you know, you get that period of like, oh, I feel better. I'm going to go back to what I'm doing. And then you're back to square one. Why is that? It's our environment, right? I've been saying this on the podcast for so long. 
And we need to start realizing it. Like if you look at an evolutionary standpoint of homo sapiens, which is us, like us human beings, you know, a thousand years ago or whenever our species of who we are finally existed, we were meant to do certain things. Now, in our world today, we fucking sit all the time. We don't move like we used to. We don't eat like we used to. So that's going to present some challenges down the way, down the road, if you continue going down that path. But for some reason, people just assume that this is normal. Like we have all this technology that makes our life easier. But at the same time, it's also kind of like crippling us. You know, like I move every single day. I exercise. I try to eat healthy. I try not to consume too much alcohol, even though it's fucking beer is delicious. Um, I do all the right things. But, like, my back gets tight, my hips get tight because I'm on my fucking laptop. Like, literally right now, I'm on my laptop for a good 30 minutes. And before this, I was, like, working on my social media for 90 minutes. And that's – it's already starting to add up where, you know, maybe a thousand years ago, I would wake up, go walk somewhere, go find food, come back. Like, there always would be something, right? So literally our environment is causing us – to adapt to it. It's making us adapt to it to become more efficient at it. So literally every time you sit down, your body goes, oh, we've been here before, and you've done this multiple times. I'm going to try to become more efficient at sitting for you so then you don't burn as many calories. Because when we burn calories, your body goes into a state where like, Oh my God, I don't know what we're going to eat next. So I got to like preserve our energy. That's why when you start exercising and you know, you're doing lunges by like rep number five, six, seven, eight, you're not going as well. You're trying to compensate. You're trying to cheat because your body's like, Oh my God, what are you doing to me? Like let's preserve our energy. Let's not die. Right. But kind of going on a tangent there, but I wanted to give some context of why hinge points happen. Right, we're adapting to the environment placed on us. So um, I'm going to do that screen share, and hopefully it all works out to our. Oh, there we go. So I'm going to take this out. You guys can already see a preview of what we're going to go through, but I want to make myself a little bit bigger. All right, hinge points. I believe this is the one that I want to know. This one? Yeah. I'm going to look at this one first. All right. Good example here. So this is a flexion hinge. So for the most part, when people do their everyday steps, so say, you know, today's Sunday, and if you're like me, you like cleaning the house on Sundays to make it fresh and organized for the week before you mess it up again. And say you have shit laying around the house from Monday and you go decide to pick up box, chair, fucking cat, whatever it is. Most people, at least the general population, will end up hinging through their spine and not through their hips here. This is the typical um, position that most people fall into and repetitively, repetitively over and over and over again. Your spine's not going to like that. It's going to eventually tell you to F off. Um, kind of stolen this from Dr. Stuart McGill. 
he does an assessment where he'll ask his patients to take off their shoes and put them on their shoes. And he watches how they hinge. Is it through the spine or is it through the hips? Most of the time it's the spine. And already we have one clue of, you know, this may be the reason why you're experiencing back pain, not necessarily even low back pain, right? It might be just pain through here. So let's think about this. Say this is your natural pattern, flexing through, this is called kind of your TL junction. And we'll go to a, another slide on that later. But imagine that you're so used to doing this instead of using your hips. So every Sunday you decide to clean and pick something up, you're constantly doing this. And it's funny enough because a lot of people will end up getting a sore back over the weekend. And us as practitioners, we're constantly like trying to figure out like, what did you do differently than what you do during the week? And, you know, in the summer, it's usually, oh, you know, we started gardening or planting crap. So you're bending over for long periods of time doing this, or you help someone move. Or in the winter, it's like, oh, I had to shovel snow and I haven't done that in a fucking year and my back is out, right? Things like that add up. So let's get rid of this image for a second and let's look at that spine image that I had up. So I mentioned like TL junction. TL junction is literally an area where this area here is your lumbar spine and then this is your thoracic spine. A lot of hinge points tend to happen between the lumbar section and going into the thoracic area. So kind of like that T10 to T12, um, which is like your thoracic vertebrae. And these are just abbreviations for that. But usually that's where people will have their hinge point. And they've literally taught their body that don't use your hips to, you know, drive back. Instead, let's use this area that's not designed for hinging whatsoever. It's meant for flexion and extension and some lateral flexion as well and rotation, but not hinging with load, which most of us do. So now what you're ending up doing is you're teaching your body to be like super mobile here because you're constantly asking for it to move. It's very similar to like, I decide to, actually, I'm not going to get into that yet. You're teaching this section right here to move constantly, which makes your lumbar spine learn how to stay stiff and your thoracic spine above this section become stiff in order for this to move. So it would be equivalent to be like, I'm going to only use my elbow from here to here, here to here. So this motion of flexion to extension is going to be really mobile. But then when I want to go past extension from this point to here, it might look like, like it'd be like a challenge to extend and maybe that's as far as I go. And then that's it. And then, but here I'm just like super loosey goosey, right? It's literally the same thing. Or, you know, say you broke your forearm and now you have a cast on there and when you take the cast off, it's going to be very difficult to get pronation, supernation, supernation because you literally had it in a cast where you can't move it, right? Similar process. It takes time to relearn that mobility and um, flexibility. But, you know, if you do the right rehab, 
will get you there. So now we have this super mobile position. Lumbar spine is stiff. Thoracic spine is stiff. Let's look at a couple more things I wanted to bring up. Here's a good one. So even super, super um, flexible people, um, even before I get to that, when I have a new patient, a new client, I take them through something called the functional range assessment, which is a very, very uh, thorough um, assessment for the body for every single joint. One of the things in there is that we look at how the spine moves. So one of the things we do is the cat-cow from um, yoga. I don't know why I lost my train of thought there, but and which is really interesting is that in the FRA, they call this the cat camel, which is not correct, I believe, in the yogi world. But cat cow is the actual movement that we do. Anyway, um, we'll find people's uh, hinge points where um, in this picture, the arrows literally point to that TL junction that we were just talking about. So say you're doing your cat cow you'll literally see that primarily all the movement will come through this one little segment in this area, right? I will literally see, you know, someone start in the big rounded position and they're supposed to start at their tailbone, but the movement initiates here and then maybe bounces back then back here. Then this doesn't move at all. And this just starts moving completely. And then maybe the thoracic spine doesn't move at all. And it's just all this, all of this over and over and over again. And usually, like, without even um, getting the history of the person in front of me, because I always ask at the very beginning of every assessment, like, name all the injuries you have, anything that's hurting, you know, anything recent, surgeries, car accidents, everything. And a lot of times people don't tell you um, what actually is going on. And when I see that hinge point, I literally will point my fingers to where this picture is pointing to and like laying down. And I'm like, do you ever get tight and back pain here? They're like, yes, all the time. And I'm like, and they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, you literally have a hinge point where every time you try to move your spine, this is where it happens. This is quite common in yogis because when they do any kind of like toe touches or if they're standing and try to go down to the floor, they don't shift their hips back into a hinge. They use their lumbar spine to fall into the stretch, and they tend to come back up, utilizing this one section. Is it a bad thing? This is where you can start making the argument where if you're a seasoned yogi that you've been doing it for like 10 years, maybe a hinge point is not too bad because it's required for your sport, your daily movement practice. But say you are, again, Sally Sue, mom of three, that's an accountant that sits all day, maybe yoga might not be the best choice because you're going to, one, develop a hinge point. You probably have low back pain. Your lumbar spine is already probably stiff, and now you're going to add this extra stress, right? Now let's go the other way. Say you're that seasoned veteran um, yogi, and you want to start strength training. You really want to be able to deadlift heavy. And I've had this topic on my show before with Dr. Sue McGill, which, by the way, is like literally my favorite episode I've ever had. Um, that yogi going into a gym, 
where her or his body has completely adapted to the movement um, requirements for that practice gets thrown into the opposite of that, where it literally needs stability and movement through hips and not spine. This yogi, this person is definitely going to get back pain and fuck up their shit a lot more than what's whatever else is going on. So it kind of is a double-edged sword when it comes to hinge points, depending on what you do. Now, another thing I want to show, not this one, not this one. She here's another one. So less flexible person, but again, TL junction where probably lumbar spine is super stiff, but this person moves here very, very, very well. And then it's super stiff here, right? It's a common thing that I see over and over and over again. But the other thing I wanted to show is this image here. So speaking of hinges, one, I would want to teach someone how to utilize their hips to um, deadlift properly. But if someone is super stiff, like this guy, um, this is what's going to happen. So a typical like drill of learning how to hinge with your hips is taking a dowel. This guy is like a two by four for some reason, but having the dowel and imagine if the guy was upright standing, the dowel in contact with the tailbone, middle of the shoulders and the back of the head. And then you ask the person to keep all three points of contact and push their hips back into a hinge and then back up. So you literally try to get them to do this to here and then back up. If someone has a hinge point, and I know this guy is probably like struggling to get this because a lot of times when you find pictures like this from other people's blogs or whatever it is, they're trying to like showcase their point and usually trainers or therapists or whatever they are writing the article move pretty well. And it's actually really challenging to do exercises wrong. It's like, it's so awkward and it hurts. Like when I've done videos for other companies for fitness and health, and we want to do like bad ways of exercising and good ways of exercising and say you do the squat and you literally tell the person, okay, I need you to squat with terrible form. One, it's like, oh, I don't even know how to do that. And when I do try, like, my knees hurt and my low back hurt, right? So now imagine, like, everyday people who just assume, like, that's how it feels because that's exercising. Anyway, if we have that hinge point and you're used to always using your TL junction and not your hips, your hinge is literally going to look like this. So that yogi is most likely going to look like this, trying to deadlift substantial amounts of weight, and that's not going to look pretty or feel great. Right. So I want to show a couple more examples of some hinge points while exercising. So let's say someone's a little bit more, you know, this image is very small, a little bit more um, athletic. And this usually happens to CrossFitters, Olympic weightlifters, and some powerlifters. You can see that this dude is well developed, right? Pretty strong back. But if you can see, like I'm like even trying to get close to see it, the arrows pointing at that hinge point, which is like right here. You can already see how the spine is like arching this way, right? Because one, it could just be a cueing thing. It could just be the whole like 
you know, when people say like, Oh, you know, suck your shoulders back and down and automatically you like start doing this. And I can already feel that like TL junction being like, like this right now. And people just fall into that habit. And also when you think of like CrossFit in general, or just um, Olympic weightlifting, say you're snatching and you're trying to do this and you start arching your back to get into a better position, those things add up. So now imagine every time you go to the gym, you think you're doing, you know, the correct way of an exercise to like pin your shoulders back and arch up chest up, but you're just creating a hinge point, um, in extension compared to like that first photo that we saw where it was a hinge point inflection, picking things up. And like, this can happen the opposite where these erectors end up being overdeveloped and same problem happens. I have another photo like that. I can find it here. Hopefully this picture, yeah, it's bigger. So this is just an extension pattern um, similar to from like the SFMA um, where you ask the person to bring their arms up and then push their hips forward as far as possible. So you, again, see if someone can actually utilize their hips or if they're hinging through their TL junction. So this woman is, and you can see, like, look how well-developed these, or, like, overly-developed these erectors are, and you can literally see a crease of where that hinge point is at. So this person who does anything overhead is probably going to feel it in here over and over and over again, causing pain, flare-ups, whatever it is. And then there's another photo that I had, hopefully... Where is it? Where is it? Oh, maybe I didn't save it. But we'll roll back to this one. There's also a lateral hinge. A little bit more um, rare, but it does happen. So say this person ended up, you know, does the extension pattern, comes back to neutral, and then does lateral flexion you should see like a nice like curvature of the whole spine going across, but sometimes people will have a lateral hinge at certain segments and that's a little bit more complicated and like way beyond my scope of like how to fix that because that's chiro physio RMT type of world. But these hinge points when overly developed, you end up, you know, sticking to that, um, pattern over and over and over again and kind of the first steps that you need to do is teaching your body how to move all the different segments other than this one section in here so we're gonna take a trip to my youtube channel and look at some exercises so I'm going to look at some cat cows. So, couple things here. Let's actually look at this guy. So, I've shown the FRC cat cow to many people, but there's, oh, many episodes, not many people. What am I talking about? But what I want to showcase here is different positions. So, all those things that I just showed you were in a standing position, more an upright position. So actually, I'm going to bring this back. So to make it more specific, you would want to also imitate um, movement patterns 
of where your hinge happens and reteach the body. So something simple as like going into an upright position, starting in that big round position, thinking of getting at the tailbone. Look how the pelvis rotates. Nice and smooth. And then head down, shoulder blades, mid-back, low-back, tailbone, right? One way of teaching it over and over and over again. But for most people, this is going to be very, very difficult, even in the version of the quadruped, where you're on your hands and knees and trying to do the same thing. Because if you're so um, used to constantly going through that TL junction, then most likely you're only going to be moving there. And sometimes like what I'll do when I'm coaching is I'll tactile touch along the spine and try to have people follow my finger along. But even then, sometimes that is challenging. So another way of doing it is a kneeling um, cat-cow. So... Yeah, so here in this position, you tend to, actually, you know what, this is not the best one. Yeah, this is not the best one. I want to show something else. So what I'm trying to find for you guys is how to block out um, the the thoracic spine. This is the problem when you have so many freaking videos. Yeah, here we go. The pelvic tilt. So in this video, I'm going to pause it. I have a yoga block that's going to have my chest pinned against it. And then from here, I'm going to think of doing the FRC cat-cow where I'm focusing on moving lumbar spine because now my thoracic spine is blocked. And now you can see I'm going back and forth. And this is usually kind of like the first steps on learning on how to utilize a lumbar spine. And I find that it's a little bit easier teaching this than like, okay, let's focus on thoracic spine first because there's a lot more happening. Whereas with lumbar spine, I've just had more success. I don't know why, but teaching more lumbar flexion and extension interdependently from that hinge point tends to be a little bit easier than teaching someone how to get more thoracic mobility. Now, one way of also teaching some lumbar um, thoracic mobility Sometimes I forget what I have this under. Yeah, so this is where I would start with people. Is one starting with rotation. And usually getting people to learn how to rotate, and in this case I like going into a wide stance with my knees, squeezing the glutes, and slowly rotating back and forth while squeezing the block to kind of add that stability component to it and just learning how to rotate. That's kind of step one. Eventually, I would like to teach people how to get into that flexion and extension pattern, but 
a lot of times doing it actively doesn't really um, give you the best result. Um, extension. It's also a good time to uh, mention if you guys haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, you definitely should because I have a lot of stuff on here. So foam, foam roller extensions. I don't know why this is not good quality, but it looks terrible. But anyway, in this position, I have my feet up against the box wall, whatever you need to do, and then go into foam roller extensions. The reason why I like this variation is that being in this position, having my feet up naturally tilts my pelvis in the opposite direction to make sure that I'm not moving through lumbar spine. So similar to that last exercise where we pinned my chest down to the yoga block. Now this is not going to move and I can focus on lumbar uh, motion. Whereas this is the opposite where we're locking out lumbar to actually move through thoracic spine to not utilize. And you can even see this way I'm going to adjust to go a little bit higher based on my shirt. Like you don't even see my lumbar spine moving. It's all thoracic spine, right? So something like that would help quite a bit. Um, I think I'm going to stop there because I'm going to end up talking forever, but um, let us stop the screen share. Let this come back to me. So hinge points, very, very, very common. If someone has low back pain where they're tied up in their thoracic spine, which is everyone, um, I would make a huge, huge bet that you have some sort of, um, what's it called, um, hinge point at some level. So it's kind of hard to self-assess. Um, what I typically do if someone online was looking to get an assessment done. I do them online, no problem. Just reach out to me. I've done this a couple times where people reached out. They're like, hey, like I've been practicing my, mobi my mobility, not getting really any better. Can you please do an assessment on me? And literally just over Zoom, like give me an hour, hour and a half, and we can go through a lot. If you have like, you know, your living room and you have a bench, a chair, a dowel, yoga block, things like that, like we can get really creative. And we don't necessarily have to do an FRA or anything like that. I've done way too many assessment courses where a lot of times, like even today, where when I have people come in in person, we kind of like start with something. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to kind of go off the rails and do this instead. Like, oh, your knee's doing something interesting. Let's kind of like do these things instead. So it really, really depends. And I think this is another reason why people should get assessments done if they're going to start exercising like for the most part a lot of people um are those outliers where they can just go and start doing their thing but at certain points you want to find yourself in a jam where you're not getting better or something keeps hurting something keeps flaring up and that's why you need a good assessment but uh i think i'm gonna end it there hopefully this was helpful if you have any questions feel free to reach out um, thank you so much for listening. Hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel and put your name down for the pre-sale list, which is also in the show notes for my new book, which is coming together. 
um, literally finished all the videos for the demos. I just have like three or four more tutorial exercises I need to film. So it's, it's coming together. It's coming together. Um, that's it from you guys. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Um, until next time.